Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey friends, looking for some great business content other than right here on Accelerate? Then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs, including an interview with me, your favorite podcast host. And it's all on demand. Watch and get insider secrets on demand by going to csuitetv.com. That's c-suitetv.com. Business insights on demand. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 458 of Accelerate, where I hold, as you know, in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. All right, a couple quick items before we meet our guest today, who's David A. Fields. If you like the show, it would really help us out. Really help us out. If you could just take a minute, go to iTunes, subscribe to Accelerate. While you're there, leave us a quick review. It really helps out. We appreciate it. Also, love to hear from you. As always, if you have any questions or suggestions about topics or guests that you'd like me to feature on the show, then go over to accelerate.fm forward slash suggestions and give me your suggestions. They're all welcome. We'll see what we can do to include those in our show. All right, now, friends, if you're looking for new ideas about how to amp up your sales, then go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark and get my free ebook, How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. You know, it's based on my interviews with over 300 of the sales experts on this show who asked them questions about what they would do to boost their sales if they were slumping. And I've compiled the recommendations into a practical step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark to get your free copy of How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. Okay, I'm excited to be joined on the show today by David A. Fields. He's an author, speaker, and consultant. Most particularly, he's author of a book called The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients. Now, I really enjoyed reading his book, and it's more than just a book for consultants. It's, it's really a good sales book. And if you're like me, and if you want to find out how to make yourself irresistible to buyers, then stick around. David A. Fields, welcome to Accelerate. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Well, thank you. And so, I love the title. So, what is an irresistible consultant? An irresistible consultant? Yes. Irresistible consultant is one that the client is saying, I need to have you. I want you to help me solve my problem. As opposed to, hey, let's get in a, uh, an expert on lean. Uh, let's, we need an operations guy. We need a sales training guy. We need, right? That, that could be anyone. Mm-hmm. When you're irresistible, they're saying, we need you. We need David. We need Andy. We need, you know, we need Tom or Sally. That's where you're trying to get to. So how do you make yourself irresistible? And I know we're going to go through some steps in the book, but in general. 
Well, that's a good question. Uh, the heart, I think, of being irresistible is uh, actually can be summed up in one word, and that's discovery. And what I mean by that is consulting is not about the consultant. Uh, I, I tell consultants constantly, consulting is not about you. It's about them, the clients. And as long as you make it about the client, as long as you're constantly discovering what they need, paying attention to them, attending to them, discovering what their concerns are, you become irresistible. When, when you know the client better than anyone else, perhaps better even than the client knows themselves, they want to work with you. So I, I think that's the heart of it. Well, and that, that applies to, because we have a large sales audience, you know, we've got consultants and we've got you know, broad range of people listening, but you know, we do have sales professionals and consultants fit into that mold as well. But that is, that's, that's something we keep talking about, you know, being customer first and, you know, it's about them, not about you. And interested in your opinion, it's why, why, <laughs> why we're having to keep reinforcing this, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you would think by now, you know, in sales, this is just be sort of be inculcated, right? Is, is, that's not about you. It's about them. It's about being of service to someone else. It's not about pushing something. It's about being of service. Right. We hear it all the time, but that doesn't mean we're, we're good at it. It's actually, if you think about the core of discovery, then is listening. So if, if discovery is the core of becoming irresistible, then, you know, drill down one level more, it's listening. We've been listening and talking like you and I are doing right now, uh, basically all our lives. But that doesn't mean we're particularly good at it. Often we practice bad habits. I was actually out with a firm, um, not last week, the, the week before, we did a full day on what I call right side up thinking, which is putting the customer first and listening. That's all we did, just those two concepts the whole day. And they would have uh, happily done another day because it turns out these are actually very difficult skills. Thinking right side up, meaning putting someone else first, it is difficult. That's, that's not natural. Is, you, it, you a, put is it a skill first. or a habit? It, it's both. It is both. I think it's something that you can learn uh, and practice. And when you learn it and practice it, it becomes habit. But there's always pressure. There's always tension because, it, for instance, salespeople have uh, they need to make a number. They're rewarded on on driving business. And so there's a pressure to start thinking about themselves. What's my number? What do I need to do? What am I trying to accomplish here? What do I want to say? What are my objectives for the meeting? Right. So all that my language is very normal. It's very natural. Frankly, it's it's healthy. But for for salespeople, and especially for consultants, which is where I play, that's uh, it turns out to be backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, I want to I want to dig into. Uh, we'll start with think right side up because it's it's as you said, sort of the core. Yeah. Um, but before I do, I, I do want to say I, I really liked the stick figures in your book. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, I'm a big fan. In fact, we just had Dan Rome on the show this week, um, and he was wrote you know uh, Draw to Win is his latest book, yes, uh, yes. and so on. And I know he would he would love your book as well. I mean, you did a great job with that. I'm um for my next book that I'm working on. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing trying to do those types of drawings. 
it, not, it, not very it, well, but uh, yeah, well, it's it's scary. I mean, so for someone who's completely devoid of artistic talent like myself, I, I had to learn how to draw a stick figure. Uh, but I, I do draw all of those. And they're they're fun, and uh, readers may enjoy them or may not. But frankly, I, I enjoy them. They, some of them crack <laughs> me up. And is as an author, it's important to enjoy your own work. It is, but I think for people that are listening and you know, attempt to go out and buy your book, is it helps. And you know, the reason you do this to figures is it helps communicate the message. And and yeah, you did a great job with that. So thank you so. Much. All right, I appreciate that. Just had to say that. So um, all right, you lay out six steps to become irresistible. Yes. Step one. You mentioned before, think right side up. Exactly. Um, and let, let's talk about that because I do want to talk specifically about how you make that a habit, right? How, how do you put the other person first? Because you know, when you read about how people change habits, right? There's there's habit change is a process. A habit is yes, a process, is. and so there's there's a trigger. <laughs> there's there's a process you know, that you follow after the trigger, and or you know some sort of psychic reward that that happens. Or sure. it could be tangible even. But um, so in the case of saying, look, you know, as a consultant or as a salesperson, we go in and we, you know, we talk about ourselves, the whole uh, spray and pray type type approach. Yeah. Um, what are the triggers in your mind? And, and what, you know, knowing what the trigger is, you know, what's the behavior that they could do differently to say, yeah, it's all about the customer, not about me? Well, I think that the, you know, it's interesting because the idea right side up or customer first and all of that is very, it, it's a very sort of broad concept and, you know, a little bit amorphous, a little bit hard to get a hold of. It, you get it, but what do you do with it? Which I think is, is sort of your question. And I'm a big believer in taking things to the very practical level. And really you, the way you do it is just one or two habits at a time. So as a, for instance, and when you walk into a meeting saying, Mr. Prospect or, or, or client or, or whomever, what are your goals for the meeting? What would make this successful for you? I have a couple of thoughts about where I'd wanted to, to go, but I, I want to hear what you want out of the meeting. Okay, that's a very simple practice. And if you do that every time, it starts to become habit. Well, and I, and I would say in that case, you know, you've, again, getting very practical, as you said, is, is you get the start of a meeting, start of a call, usually the customer or the client says something, right? So what do you do or, you know, what do you want to tell me? That then becomes a trigger because for a lot of times with salespeople, they think, oh, they're inviting me to talk about myself. Right. We're really what the best response is just what you talked about is to turn it back and say, well, no, what, what would you like to achieve? in this meeting or some other you know, question that's yeah. appropriate for that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to do it uh, obviously delicately. P- people don't love it. If they, they actually don't feel listened to you to, if they say, so what do you do? Well, uh, I'll tell you about that, but first tell me what you do, right? <laughs> that that, that actually doesn't work so well because right. that shows you're not listening. Oddly enough, that's not being right side up. You went in with an agenda. Your agenda was, I want to ask the questions. And that's what makes this actually so hard and takes so much practice is you do have to leave your agenda behind. And if the prospect says, well, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do, then it does help to offer not go into some long soliloquy and, and 15 minute explanation, but a one line. Here's the problem that I solve. And here's the type of people I solve it for. 
Well, that explanation of what you do is actually right side up. You're saying, here's the problem I solve. Not what I do, but the problem that people I work with have. And then the person you're talking to will either say, hey, I got that problem. Maybe you can help me. Or they'll say, I never have that problem. And you can say, well, that's, that's terrific. Let's talk about, just have a nice conversation and, and then um, we'll go on our merry ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, a great approach. It's very, very simple, right? I think that the, the phrase says, you know, leave your own agenda behind because I'm sure consultants, you know, when they get in their own sales training, business development training, salespeople certainly is, is you're told you have to have an agenda for the call. Right. Which is, yeah. as you're saying, it's the absolute wrong thing to do. You got to be responsive to the, to the client. You have to be responsive to the client. And in uh, our business, especially, uh, you have to build relationships. And, and that is a place where I diverge, I think, from uh, a little bit, in, just in terms of emphasis from, from some approaches, because I'm all about the relationship. And so I see if we have a conversation, if you and I were to talk, and all we did was which touch base and, and talk about, you know, how you're moving from, um, you know, lower Manhattan to Midtown or, or Upper East Side. To me, that's a success. Because we've built a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that will turn into something. Maybe it won't. Uh, I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, but what I do know is that relationships themselves have value. Therefore, any conversation where you're focusing on the other person and building that relationship creates value. Ultimately, you need to monetize that. Mm-hmm. And, and there are ways to do that. Um, but if, if you're sweating the agenda, if you're, if you're pushing the business as opposed to building and nurturing the relationship, uh, it makes this, uh, our jobs much, much harder. We had a really good point in, in that section of the book about self-confidence, which, again, yeah. was a different, different perspective on it. And you say that and this I think might be a quote, but they say, you, know, you boost your self-confidence by reflecting less on yourself and more on the target's problems and aspirations. Yes. And, and that, you know, is a very different way for people to look at it from a, a sales perspective is to say, wow, I think I can boost my self-confidence by, you know, increasing my knowledge about what we do, but it's really the opposite, right? I'm going to oh, increase exactly. my self-confidence by being more familiar with what <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, I, I'm sure all the, the therapists and psychologists will take me to task you know, because because they teach all about introspection and, and being in touch with yourself and how you know good you are to build your self-confidence. And I think that's all completely backwards. It's, it's thinking about yourself that, that takes away your confidence. Just focus on the other person. Just focus on what they want. Well, if you know what your prospect wants, that that's all that's all you need and you can be confident in in that if you pay attention to what they think of you and if in most of the time we're harder on ourselves than other people are mm, absolutely. so if we right so if we talk to our clients and the clients are saying i love your work i think you're outstanding or i love your products that's that's where you get your self-confidence you don't need it from internally in fact you tend in fact you tend not to trust it internally so, yeah, I, I, I'm sure from a, um, again, a psychologist standpoint, that, that's backwards. But from a, a sales standpoint, a building, business building standpoint, it's absolutely right. You, you get it all from the outside. It's all right side up. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, instead of focusing on your anxieties, focus on their anxieties. <laughs> yeah. Because they have them, right? I mean, person you're talking to, if they've got some goal they're trying to achieve or, 
you know, something that uh, needs to be resolved, yeah, they're they're anxious about it. It could be an impact on their career, their job you satisfaction. Bet. They've got those anxieties. Just, yeah, let let yours go. You bet. And and if they're buying the considering buying your service, if they're considering buying your product, that that decision is fraught with risk, and it comes with additional anxiety. What if I choose the wrong product? What if mm-hmm. I choose the wrong consultant? What if I choose the wrong vendor? What if it goes wrong? What if it costs too much? What if it takes too long? What if my boss doesn't like it? And, you know, all these things. And these decisions are risky. And as a result, to the extent, first of all, you understand which of those anxieties are the ones that's most plaguing your prospect. You can then relieve the anxiety. You can address it head on. And that goes back to, that's how you become irresistible. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the perspective. And so a question would be is, is yeah, how do you coach people then to sort of let go of themselves? You know, when you're working with consultants is, and to build their self-confidence. I mean, what is, again, we're talking about sort of habit change or, you know, behavior change and habit formation. What's sort of the, the trigger there? Uh, well, there's a how I, I suppose, and, and what's the trigger the 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 how we actually when I work with with consultants, which obviously I do all day, um, we just actually take real real client situations. So I tend to uh, right after this call, obviously I'll, I'll be um, working with a, a consultant who I've been working with for four years now, um, and she she runs a great firm, and we'll we will literally just take a a meeting that's coming up and we'll role play it. What are you going to say? She goes through it, and that gives me an opportunity to say, what if instead of, of saying, here's how you need to run your board, because she works with boards, mm-hmm. I say, you instead ask, what's going on with your board right now? She goes, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. I forgot. Um, that's, that's right. That's right. Set up. Right. So it's, it's actually, it's just, like I said, it's very tactical and practical in practicing little things one at a time. That, that get you in the habit of asking questions. And, and, and to be fair, this consultant I've been working with for, for some time, she's very good at it now. Um, yeah, well, I think the key is for people in that situation is, and this is something I stress constantly on the show and with the guests, is um, you got to be in the moment. You got to be present. Yes. Right? This whole idea of mindfulness and, and eliminating distractions and being really focused, that's really central to what you're talking about. You bet. You bet. And you know what? It helps to be interested in other people. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, and I say that, which is funny. I am not naturally, you know, sort of born interested in other people. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks right. for coming on the show, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but I cultivated it. The, right. So I, what I realized is I have to become interested in other people if I'm going to put them first. And so I cultivated that habit. And now I'm fascinated by other people. Right. I find everyone else genuinely interesting. And as a result, it's very easy to pay attention to them. It's very easy to ask what's going on with you. Uh, even, you know, before we started the, the recording here, you and I had a little bit of a conversation and this, I, I, that's probably what we did first, right? I, I started mm-hmm. asking questions about what you do in your podcast and all of that. Cause I'm genuinely interested, but and, and I guess the reason I said I'm not naturally that way is I want to encourage people who also are not naturally interested in other people to, to you know, be open with yourself about it and realize, guess what? You can change that. And when you change it, a whole world opens up to you. 
not just a world of success, which is true. You'll be much more successful in, in sales, much more successful in consulting. It's just this great world opens up to you. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about the, the other 5 billion people or whatever it is on the planet. Yeah, well, there's sort of you know, two, two things that are really interesting about that. Is one is there was a, um, something I was reading, just reading, just reading, just reading, just recently, who, who wrote it, was saying that you know, one of the most powerful things, and this may have been even on, based on some research studies that have been done, is that you can do, and this is, you know, train yourself to do this, becomes your trigger when the, you first start meeting with the customer. You sit down, and there's this you know, pregnant pause, who's going to go first, is ask them, so how are you doing? Not how are things going with your business, yeah, how are things, you know, just how are things, but how are you doing? Yeah, I like that. And what happens is, is several things. One is, yeah, you've, you've asked an authentic question directed at that person. And they're going to they're gonna tell you. You're going to learn a lot. And, you know, I think this is a great training thing for people. Is, you know, how are you doing? But then also what happens is they begin to think that, well, wow, this person's really interested in me. And you are, because once you practice it, you're doing it sincerely. It's not just you're throwing it away. You're asking the question, how are you doing? And as research, more recent research has shown is that, you know, always talk about people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Well, actually, there's a fourth one there. It's like, meaning people are more likely to buy from people they think like them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. So it's a great way to, a great way to begin to sort of evince that in your conversation. Oh, you bet. I think in the book, I have the, what I call the six pillars of consulting success. Know, like, trust, need, want, and value. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are good. And part of, so the emotional pillars, like, and trust, and want, especially like, and trust, a lot of the way you build that is by paying attention to the other person, right? They want to know that you like them. They want to know that you're attending to them. And when you do that, people genuinely like other people who seem to pay attention to them. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, who think that they're interesting. So if you think the other person's interesting, guess what? They'll, they'll like you because yep. they think you like them. Exactly. Makes a big difference. And, and people tend to overlook that. And that's why the reasons I think that we see in, in the research that really that extroverts don't tend to perform as well as people think they do relative to introverts. Or actually, those that have encompassed both apparently you know, perform the best. But is that, you know, it's all about them. You know, even yeah. though you're an extrovert, it's really all about you. Your extroversion is all about you. So, um, you know, something for people to sort of think about. So interesting. Okay, so second step you had, which I wanted to get into. You don't have time to go through all six, but um, was maximize impact. Yep. Find your killer offering. You talk about fishing where the fish are. You bet. Um, so, maybe that seems evident on the surface, but, but talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, it, it does seem evident on the surface, but you'd be surprised how many firms I walk into. I sketched out what I call the, the sextant chart and I go, oh, my gosh. So uh, basically, you know, I'd say for anyone listening, think about, you know, I'm a consultant. So, so I can boil the world down to these two by two charts. But because I'm super fancy, I'll make it a uh, two by three chart. Two by three. That, that's yeah. So people knew that the sextant was actually, you know an extension of the quadrant into two more, two more boxes. Yes, exactly. Two more boxes. So, uh, on the, what I put on the vertical axis is just awareness is, is your prospect aware that they have the problem that you solve? And at the top, I say yes. At the bottom, I say no. And then across the top, 
I asked another question, which is how urgent is the is solving this problem for the prospect? And all the way on the left, I have, you know, not at all. And in the middle, it's, it's sort of, well, maybe in the future they want to solve it. And over on the right, I say uh, the urgency is high. It's right now. And that top right box, which is where they're aware of the problem and they want to solve it right now, that's fishing where the fish are. That's who you want to play with because that business is easy to win. And being, I suppose, fundamentally, uh, I don't want to say lazy, but fundamentally, I, I like to you know, not work harder than I need to, to, to win business. Uh, I'll go where it's easy to win. And it's easy to win business from people who know they have a problem that you solve and want to solve it right now. And I, I find too many consultants, too many salespeople are trying to create demand. They're trying to convince someone, you need, the, you need to solve this now. That is hard work. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a hard sell. And then they wonder, well, gosh, I, I submitted a proposal. Why isn't it closing? Well, it's not closing because you tried to convince the prospect that they need the solution now. But then when you left the office, when you were away and they had time to consider it, they talked to their colleagues, they realized, gosh, maybe there's not so much urgency. And so that turned out to be spinning your wheels mm -hmm. for, for nothing. Uh, so... Yeah, for a lot of firms, this is actually an eye-opener. I think, oh, yeah, you know what? We are spending a ton of time with prospects who are, are not hungry fish. So let's well, just, you know, yeah, cut our losses and, and go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that that when you look at the sort of close rates of, of orders across the entire business-to-business -business sphere, that most people are doing that. Right? And we see close rates you know, on the... 20% range in business nice. to business, in some cases may up to 40%, but I mean, it's, it's well below 50. So sort of by definition, unless we're assuming we lose all those to competition, but I think that's not the case is yeah, we're most deals are lost to no decision. So we're selling to people that, that just aren't ready to buy. Absolutely. The biggest competition, uh, for certainly for consulting and I'm sure for other kinds of sales, the biggest competition is inertia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are ways to overcome it. There are ways to increase urgency and there are ways to increase awareness of a problem. But, you know, that takes a little bit more work. You know, and then for consultants, the second biggest competition is internal staff. Um, but right. inertia is a, a big one. And so why spend so much time trying to fight it? Well, sometimes you say that you need to change ponds. I mean, we extend the fishing yes. analogy. Um, yes. So by that, you're saying find people that want to buy what you're selling. Well, no, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm saying almost the exact opposite. So um, what I what I again, what I tell folks is it's a heck of a lot easier to sell what people want to buy than to find people who want to buy what you're trying to sell. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. So um, I work with a consulting firm that was focused on the outdoor sports industry. And they were, to be honest, they were struggling a little bit, which isn't unusual. That's, you know, firms often come to me either when they, they want to accelerate growth or, or when they're struggling. Well, this group was struggling. So, you know, we took a look at it and realized the outdoor sports industry just was not a good industry for the problem that they solved. And so they had two choices. They could either they could either find out, well, what industry does want what we solve, or they could look at another industry or the outdoor sports industry and say, you know, what problems do they have? 
And they did a little bit of both. They said, you know what? In general, this turns out not to be a very rich industry for consultants. Who else can we reach? And then what problems do they have that we can solve? And, and, that, they, and that's, worked, that's worked out fabulously well for them. And they started, though, in the outdoor sports industry. They started in the outdoor sports industry. They are now actually in the um, the small manufacturing that um, folks that supply goods to Amazon and other online businesses. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they could reach that industry. And then in talking to them, they found there's a need. And that need is something they can address, which is frankly a little bit different from what they were doing for the outdoor sports industry. So what was their expertise and and that they then went you know marketed to this other industry. Well, their expertise is founded on some, uh, I guess, lean methodology mm-hmm. and a certain application of that. And look, I mean, m- most of what we do isn't um, super specific skill sets. I mean, some of it is, but most of us aren't trained in in um, neuroscience, and you know, therefore, we have a, a tough time going into carpentry. It's <laughs> Um, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, sure. we, there's skill sets that, that are either fairly transferable or you can learn and it's much easier and better to pick up skill sets. Um, cause that you can do what you can't do is create client problems, or at least you're not supposed to. So if it turns out that the, what you solve and where you want to solve it isn't particularly you know, lucrative, again, you can beat your head against the wall, which was kind of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, you know what, maybe I can transfer some of my skills if there's another industry that does hire consultants and does have a problem that they urgently want to solve that I can solve. And that's what we did. You know, and, and the, the business is, I don't know, doubled or tripled. Hmm. Very interesting. Which is, I mean, applies to, to sales as well. I mean, you can find yourself successful or unsuccessful in one industry and actually find that your skills are very applicable to another industry. And, you know, it's really a challenge, I think, for sales professionals to say, yeah, what's, what's the right fit for me? Yeah, it, it is. It, it, and it's actually, it's very challenging for companies. Now, I will say that, it, you know, when you're an established company, whether it's a, you're, you're selling products or consulting, you, you, you find it really difficult to make that shift um, that sort of basic value proposition. Um, again, I'm, I'm working with a, a group in the Midwest right now that we're, we're, we're attacking that right now. And it's, it's, um, it's difficult. You know, they've got about a $25 million consulting business. So it's boutique, mm-hmm. but it's enough so that they've built up a, you know, a pretty steady client base and, um, to grow, they have to leave their current value proposition behind. And that's a tough shift to make. Um, scary. But, you know, all right, it's, it's scary. But you know what? They're going to make it uh, and, and it's going to work out well for them. Um, they can see it. I can see it. It's just getting over the hump. <laughs> um, and, and they'll do that. Yeah. Well, I and mean, that's a journey that, that sales professionals, you know, anybody selling a product or service confronts at some point, right? Is there is this hump to get over? Sometimes it's you know coming into a new market, identifying the right niches, finding where you fit, finding what people are willing to pay for. I mean, with consultants, I mean that's always one of the big challenges, right? As we talked about, what are people willing to pay for? You bet. I mean, my business, my consulting business, not not the work I do for consultants, the work I do for uh, corporate clients, is completely different. 
from what I was trained to do in my first decade of business in corporate. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up in consumer products. And when I went into consulting, I went to a, a firm that focused on consumer products because that's where my background was. When I started my own firm or co-founded my own firm, we left that entirely because we found that the market was asking for something different. Mm -hmm. And rather than sticking with what we did, right, which is really self-definition, it's upside down, we decided we're going to go where the market is. That's right side up. Uh, and that proved to be a, a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good decision. Well, good. Well, David, I, we've run to the, out of time for today, but uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. And uh, tell folks how they can connect with you and learn more about what you do. Oh, well, uh, davidafields.com will take folks to my site, whether they're um, on the consulting side or on the, the corporate side, because I, I still do both. That's the easiest way. Uh, if, you know, if anybody has a question, I, I'm always happy to chat with folks. Um, and I'm at david at davidafields.com. Um, and of course, obviously, if, if people pick up the book, I think they'll enjoy it. And, uh, and then we can have conversations after that. Great. And that book, again, is The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients. So, again, David, thank you very much for being on the show. It was an it, absolute delight. My pleasure. And, friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Remember, please join us again tomorrow. Until then, I'd really appreciate it. If you got a moment, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review for Accelerate. We really want to hear what you have to say, good or bad. And uh, thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everybody. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.